But it didn't quite sound like that when the disciples were first asked this question from Mark chapter 8 and verse 27, when Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? It didn't come out of their mouths that way. Well, you're exalted. You're the king. You're on high. We praise you. Didn't quite sound like that. So it is we have to move back, back through the Reformation and the medieval church, back through the Council of Churches, back to our first storytellers in the Bible, in whose memory resides these conversations. Who do you say that I am? We'll pick up the conversation with Mark today in, in chapter 6. And if you've been here for a few weeks, you know we're moving rapid fire, broad brush strokes through the gospel. We do invite you to take one of these brown bookmarks home and begin reading week 3 for next Sabbath. This is a conversation today, however, Mark's been waiting for. Who do you say that I am? Because he's building up. We're headed somewhere on the way to the cross. In, in, the, in chapter 6 of the Gospel of Mark, you'll see the, the disciples have had some success. Verse 13, it says they've been out preaching, preaching repentance, which, all, which means a change of direction, considering an alternate mission or plan. They've healed people, cast out demons, anointed the sick. They've also, however, been reminded of what happens to people who, who repent, who choose an alternate mission, because the story of their friend, perhaps their friend, John the Baptist, and needing to remove his body and bury it because he's been killed by King Herod. That's what happens to people who repent and choose another alternative. This Mark's rapid-fire conversation this morning. I would want to invite you to focus on the, the interaction between Jesus and the disciples. For while Mark is rapid-fire here, he's not careless. He's quite the craftsman. And something is being told to us in the conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Of all the gospel writers, it is Mark who portrays the gospels as a little bit, or the disciples as a little bit ignorant, a little bit, um, how would we would say today, they're missing a few marbles, not shooting on all the pistons. You know, all those sayings, the elevator doesn't go all the way up. This isn't new. For over a century, scholars have been debating and unpacking the ignorant disciples in the Gospel of Mark. What is it about? Why are they just a little less than? They are like the parable, the, the uh, parable not quite as old of the parachute. The parachutist, he's a novice at this. This is his first attempt, and he jumps from the airplane, and he's headed down in the sky, and he doesn't know what cord to pull on his vest, and on his way down, he meets a gentleman on his way up, and he says to him, do you know anything about parachutes? And the reply comes, no, do you know anything about gas stoves? <laughs> They're just missing a few marbles. A little ignorant, a little... Where's the common sense? They're not practical. They're not paying attention. The disciples are portrayed like this in the Gospel of Mark. Watch today the interaction because Mark is telling us something. Remember, all he has is, is a group of stories orally circulating in his own memory, and he can string these things together as he remembers them. Something unique comes out. Listen. Chapter 6, verse 30. There's a hungry crowd. The disciples tell Jesus, we think you should feed them. Jesus tells the disciples, I think you should feed them. 
The disciples say, well, that would take 200 days' wages for us to feed them. The disciples lose the conversation. They, they forfeit their five loaves and their two fishes. Jesus blesses them. He breaks them. He distributes them. Does that language sound familiar, by the way, as we sit in front of the communion table this morning? We're told that, th that these fishes and loaves are passed out. Mark chapter 6, verse 42 and 43. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of people who had eaten was 5,000. They moved directly to another sea story. Now remember last week, Ken told us about one sea story in chapter 4. That one ended with confused disciples who said... Who is this man that he can tell the wind and the waves what to do? Well, now they're on the sea again in, in Mark chapter 6. This is the second sea story for Mark. Jesus is walking on the land. He comes out from the land this time right up next to the boat on the water. The winds calm down. The disciples look at him. Verse 52, they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Oh, they didn't understand about the five fishes and the two loaves and the 12 baskets of leftovers. And now here he is in the water. Now they get out of the boat on the other, boat on the other side of the lake. The Bible says they heal many people. And, and Mark moves into a conversation with the Pharisees. Pharisees are registering a complaint against Jesus' disciples. They're not paying attention to the tradition of the elders. That is, they're not washing their hands carefully. There is a method. Because there are purity regulations, we know. So they're worried about their dirty hands and their cups and their saucers, and Jesus goes on for quite a while here, longer than in most of his discourse in Mark. You people are worried about cups and saucers and dirty hands. You're worried about the tradition you've created when you ignore the commandments of God. In verse 14, he calls a crowd together, and he keeps talking about it, and he said, it's not things from the outside that contaminate it, it's what's on the inside that comes out which contaminates now, the one who has ears, that familiar phrase, the one who has ears, let them hear. The disciples follow Jesus. The Bible tells you, didn't quite get it. They, 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 they go to Jesus and say, could you explain this to us again? 7 verse 18, are you so dull? Are you so dull, Jesus asks them. If you read the King James, it says, Are you without understanding? If you like the message paraphrase, Eugene Peterson says, Are you willfully stupid? And I wanted to call the disciples dumb today. My, my husband's wiser than I. He said, You shouldn't do that. Dumb disciples is irreverent. But that's what they are. Eugene Peterson is right. Are you willfully stupid? Because in the original language, the word used is the very opposite of wise. The very opposite of knowledgeable. Are you stupid? Jesus asks the disciples, are you so dull? And he tells them again, no, listen to me. Things from the outside don't contaminate the heart. It's what's in the heart of all of us that comes out that contaminates people. And he gives them examples like gossip, like slander, like poverty, like theft, like adultery. That's what contaminates people. Mark moves to another feeding story. This time there are 4,000, and, and, and they break, and they bless, and they distribute. And they have seven baskets of food left over. Again, they eat until they're stuffed. It certainly now seems like a strange time then for the Pharisees to ask this question, Jesus, would you give us a sign? Because 12 baskets of leftovers plus seven baskets of leftovers plus 
We have a lot of healings plus a lot of cast out demons. We, we just need a sign. In verse 12, it appears Jesus gets angry. What's wrong with this generation? Mark 7, 12. 8, 12, I'm sorry. And they left as quick as they arrived. It seems like they didn't get to finish their business. They got out of the boat. They had this little tiff. They got back in the boat. And now we catch up with the disciples for this boat journey. 8, verses 14 and 15. The disciples had forgotten to bring the bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat, which is odd. If they forgot to bring it, they forgot it, but they forgot it plus have one loaf. Okay? Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now someone has forgot, forgotten to go shopping. Someone was supposed to shop and stock up on all these supplies. If they're experienced as a seaman at all, they know they need rations for many days. Even though this Sea of Galilee is really only maybe 8 by 12 miles, it's, it's a lake. Mark calls it a sea. They know they need supplies. And now it's a real problem. Hunger. Hunger. Jesus responds back in these riddles, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. The disciples are hungry. What do you mean the yeast of the Pharisees? Ah, the Pharisees. They're the ones who just asked for a sign. They're the ones who were worried about the ritual washing and things contaminating from the outside. Herod, the one who killed John the Baptist. Herodians, the one who marked Jesus for death. Mark chapter 3. Beware of the religious and the political leaders. The disciples are just hungry. What does he mean? Verse 16, the disciples discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. This is what I've told you before is sort of like an Eeyore moment for you, those of you who are Winnie the Pooh fanatics. <laughs> There's probably a nicer way to say that. Those of you who cherish the Pooh Bear. This is an Eeyore moment. It's because we have no bread. Jesus is mad. They don't have a clue what he said, but they think they've made him mad. So he continues, Why are you talking about having no bread? Don't you see? Don't you understand? Are your hearts hardened? Verse 18, You have eyes, but you fail to see. Ears, but you fail to hear. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? Seven. He said to them, do you not understand, you dull disciples? Don't you get it? I imagine voices raised right now. I imagine anger out of Jesus at this point, And I imagine silence until they dock. When they get out, Jesus must himself take inventory. Let's see. We began by casting out demons. We healed Peter's mother. Then there was a crowd with various diseases. We took care of them. There was a man who, whose legs were paralyzed. We put them back underneath him. Then someone with a withered hand in the synagogue. Do you remember that? We fixed that. There, you were hungry on a Sabbath, and I picked grain for you and fed you. And we healed somebody else on that day. Do you remember that? Do you remember we sat by the sea and told stories of the sower and the seed and the lamp and the light? Do you remember that? I imagine Jesus saying, then there were the stormy waters, not once, but twice. There, there was a, a woman bleeding for 12 years. We stopped that. A little girl asleep, 12 years old. We woke her. 
There was a man, another man, paralyzed. We took care of him. Another sea story, we calmed that down. More hungry people. These hungry people ate not just till they had enough, but till they were stuffed. You guys need evidence? And you have one loaf in the bottom of your boat, and you say, we have no bread. It is more than enough raw material for this Jesus, isn't it? It is more than enough raw material. And, and now Mark hand-selects what I believe is the perfect illustration. They get out of the boat, and they're presented with this man who, who can't see. And he has a, a paralyzed legs. Eyes that can't see. Jesus takes his fingers and some saliva, some dirt, and he wipes this on the man's eyes. And he says to the man, can you see now? And the man says, I see trees walking. Men walking like trees. Which translates, no, I can't see. It's, it's not clear yet. And I imagine Jesus, the rabbi, with a planned pause as he looks at the disciples, you see like him. It's as clear as mud to you. I'm sure there was eye contact. Jesus takes the hands and does it again, and we're told the man goes away with clear vision. It is only in Mark Two sea stories that were calmed, two seas that are calmed, two feedings of large crowds, and one man healed twice. Only in Mark. Only in Mark. And now we arrive at the moment where we began. Who do you say that I am? Chapter 8, verse 27. They're in Caesarea Philippi, all the way up at the northern end of Galilee, where one of the sources of the Jordan River is bubbling out of a cave. This is a place that's been dedicated to deities down through the centuries, Roman deities, pagan deities, Greek deities. It's described as a natural place of worship. If you were to visit Caesarea Philippi today, almost all you would see there is a shrine to the nature god Pan. Isn't it interesting? Not in a synagogue, not in the city village, not at home, does Jesus ask them, but in the middle of this force of nature where they can feel the pull who do you say that I am? And it is Peter who answers in verse 29. You are the Christ. Without exception, every time this confessional statement happens in your Bibles, and every time it's recorded outside of our Bibles and other sources, the very next thing that happens is the invitation to pick up a cross and follow. Isn't that interesting? No matter what you think a Christ is, no matter if you have the idea in your mind of an anointed king and, and, or a military ruler or the Messiah from Jewish thought and hope, no matter what you think a Christ is, the very next thing, pick up the cross and follow. And the invitation says, deny whatever else is out there. Deny the, the, perhaps the vision of what you thought a leader was going to need to look like. Like this is a hero of a different kind. The rest of the empire is picking up a sword to fight. That's what's happening in Judea. The peasants are fighting with a sword. Jesus says, pick up a cross. A cross. Everyone knows a cross is an instrument of torture. 
It signifies death of a different kind. Pick up a cross, deny that picture, repent, turn around, get a new vision and purpose. Follow me. And the gospel takes a turn here, and that's why Peter doesn't like it. Jesus begins to predict he's going to die. He does it three times in a row. The first time, Peter says, no, Lord, you're not going to die. And, Peter look, and he looks at Peter. Jesus looks at Peter and says again, get behind me. He rebukes Peter. Peter, you still have mud in your eyes. You don't understand. It's going to be this way. When you choose life, it automatically marks us for death. That's what he's telling these disciples. If you're going to pick up the cross and follow, be prepared to die. And the disciples have this mud in their eyes, and they don't quite understand. It doesn't matter where they've gone in Palestine. You can look at the map and see they've been on both sides of the sea, the west side, the more Jewish territory, the east side, the more Gentile territory, and up north. And now they're marching straight into Jerusalem in the next two weeks where the heat will be turned up on this conversation. It doesn't matter where they go in Palestine. Jesus has never changed his position. He's never changed his mission. From the very beginning, I choose life. That's what my kingdom is about. It is Mark Twain who says, many people are bothered by those passages in Scripture which they cannot understand. But as for me, I always noticed that the passages in Scripture which trouble me most are those I do understand. Pick up the cross and follow. We can get that, can't we? Doesn't matter if you don't know what the yeast and the bread and the Pharisees, the one who has ears, let them hear. It doesn't matter if we understand the enigmatic phrases. Doesn't matter if we can confess Christ fully yet. None of that matters. Can you pick up the cross and follow? We can, can't we? If you could just pick up the cross and follow, that is enough for this Jesus. Even with the mud in our eyes, it's enough. Pick up the cross and follow. And we see that these disciples, from all their little foibles all the way to the large, are you so dull? You've had eight chapters of this and you can't get it. And we think to ourselves, we, would do, we wouldn't be like that if we were there. We would get it. Don't we think that way sometimes? Which is why I believe Mark has written his story this way. He invites us into another alternative. Maybe we can get it. Maybe we have another outcome. Maybe even with the mud in our eyes, we could do something in this kingdom. My mother told me uh, earlier last week, I guess last week, she got up to put the pills out on the counters, hers and my father's. And some of you know about handfuls of medication in the morning or midday or evening, and she'd she put the piles of pills out, and accidentally, she took his, and he took hers. Oops. She felt pretty good by the afternoon, though. She was okay. Little foibles, little mistakes. Sometimes we get in a hurry, and we just make little mistakes along the way as disciples all the way from that to the very end of this, uh, the spectrum with the disciples with the mud in their eyes. I see men walking who look like trees. I don't get it, Jesus. But you're the Christ. 
Jesus can do something with that in this kingdom. It has been several years. I just remembered this story last week. Several years since I visited an elder, elderly couple in a nursing home here in the Inland Empire. It was a communion Sabbath, just like today. And I took one of those little black kits, some of you have seen, that elders will take from the church to take communion home to someone. I took one of those. I arrived at the nursing home where the husband and wife usually laid in beds next to one another. But on this day, when I walked in, only her bed was in the room. I said to her, where, where's your husband? And she said, a, a terrible thing has happened. He's made the nurses angry today. I said, what did he do? She said, well, it seems that he soiled his bed, and his sheets need to be changed, and the floor needs to be mopped, and the lunch trays arrived, and the medication cart all needs to go around at the same time, and they're so angry at him for making a mess. And so they took his bed, and they wheeled it out, and they said to the two of us, well, guess this is what happens. If you make a mess, you don't eat. And they've taken him out and put him somewhere else, she told me. She looked at me and she said, who are you? I said, I'm an elder from the church. I've come to bring you communion. She sat up with her arms out. She said, I'll take it because I'm starved. I opened the kit without a thought, without a prayer, without a Bible text. I took all of the communion bread out and put it in her hand. I took the little miniature bottle and poured her a cup full of juice. And I said, eat this, eat it. And I left the room to go find her husband verify her story. Indeed, he was in a room, several rooms down. So I went to the nurse's station. It's 3.30. We read in the Bible about the wrath of God. <laughs> I did not leave until those people ate. If you make a mess, you don't get to eat. That has been the message in the Roman Empire. It's what the scribes have said. It's what the Pharisees have said. It's what, it's what the priestly code has said to most people. It's what the Roman rulers have said. It's what, it's what the kings have said. If you make a mess in this empire, which means if you get out of bounds, if you're contaminated, if you don't play our way, you won't eat in this kingdom. And along comes Jesus from Nazareth. What a crazy title. And he decides, oh no, in this kingdom, everybody eats. Will you pick up your cross and follow? Isaac, I invite you to come as we break the bread and pour the cup together.
going to invite you to hold these emblems, both of them, in your hands real close, would you? This bread, which represents the body of Jesus, this drink, which represents his spilled blood. We'll sing through twice together, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. growing dim as you hold these and focus on Jesus today? Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul, would you? The first recorded of a supper such like we're having today. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took a cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as you often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Shall we pray? Father, as we turn our eyes upon your Son, Jesus, we can't help but recognize that he is our Christ. And this morning, as we continue our journeys carrying our crosses, I ask that this emblem representing the body of your Son, as we partake of it, will infuse in every aspect of our lives. May, we, may it represent your longing to live in us and through us. And may we share your love because of it. This is my prayer. Amen.
God, we hold this cup, just a simple amount, a small amount of juice, which for us represents something far greater, something we can't see, but something we've experienced. For we know Jesus hung on a cross, and he probably bled. That which kept him alive is now bleeding out to keep us alive. While we don't completely comprehend this, we give you thanks for this sacrifice. We not only proclaim his death, but we proclaim his resurrection. So we hold this cup and we remember our past. We celebrate our presence today with an incarnational Jesus. And we anticipate a kingdom someday where you can say it is finished. Thank you for this gift. In the name of Jesus, too, I pray. Amen. Take and eat. This is my body. This cup represents the covenant, my new covenant. Take and drink. You know the Bible says they went out with a song. We wouldn't want to do it any other way. We invite you to stand and remind you the offering plates will pass as we sing together today when we all get to heaven. Would you stand and sing together?
church says? Amen. 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 We hope to see you tomorrow night at a town hall meeting, 7 o'clock. Let's pray. Let's pray. May God's blessings surround you each day as you trust him and walk in his way. Go now in peace. Go in joy. Go in love. Amen. Thank you.